like Liz was saying, I, I have four kids. Uh, they are kind of the greatest thing on the planet. Um, I do a fair amount of traveling because I like to go places. Basically, the time in Hawaii, I've been spent working and networking and uh, just spending as much time there as I can because it's an island in the middle of the ocean and it's tropical and it's amazing. So the first question is, uh, if my house gets destroyed in a flood or fire, does the insurance company pay the homeowner and also the bank on their equity of the property? So insurance carrier will issue you, the homeowner, a check. Now that check, if it's a complete loss, the check will have uh, to also be endorsed by your mortgage holding bank if you have a mortgage on the property, a, a registered mortgage on the property. But ultimately, it's on you to make sure that the bank receives the money that they should receive. In most cases, when you have a claim on your property, it's something small, a small fire, so it's not a complete loss. You lose a roof, you have a flood, that kind of stuff. In those cases, when you start your claim, you will have the the insurance company will issue you a check. In most cases, it does not have to be signed or uh, acknowledged by the bank because that money goes directly to repairing the home. And as long as you're repairing the home, then the bank doesn't care. They want to make sure that their asset is protected and you are protecting it by repairing. Uh, the next question that we've been getting a little bit is a uh, family member passes leaving an insurance claim still open. They owe my father money. They, meaning the insurance carrier, but because the he passed so suddenly, there was no will, and they said we need to open an estate or probate, but we have no more money for lawyers. What can we do? So really, the insurance company has to pay out on an active claim, unless they deny the claim, obviously. But just because there's a death of the property owner does not mean that the insurance can back away from that, because your insurance is a contract. As long as the insurance premiums were paid and you know there's no fraud going on, then they're contractually required to pay out on that claim. The process for it will have to go through probate in most cases. And there are tons and tons and tons of lawyers that will work on contingency to help you get through probate and make sure that you get that property um, fixed up. One thing to note on that is that just because the insurance company hasn't paid out any money doesn't mean that you can neglect the property. If the insurance company comes in, if the person died and there was an open claim and say it was a flood, but you know they died two days after it flooded and they hadn't started the remediation process yet, it is still your responsibility to make sure that that remediation process gets started so that the damage does not get any worse. Because if the damage continues to get worse, the insurance company will not pay for it. They'll only do a partial payout for the damage because it's your job as the owner of that property to make sure that you are mitigating the damage so that it does not continue. But like I said, they are still required to pay out that money because the policy was in force at the time of death. Next question. Um, if we move, if my neighbor's swing set blew into my yard, swing set, trampoline, children's bikes, baseballs, during a windstorm, should my homeowner's insurance pay for the damage or should it be their homeowner's insurance or should it be my homeowner's insurance? Okay. Uh, the answer is it's theirs. It's their homeowner insurance that will pay for that damage, that repair. But 
depending on how good of a relationship you have with your neighbor is going to determine on how hard it is to get that payout to work properly. Okay. If your neighbor is, if you guys have a really crappy relationship and your neighbor's like, I'm not paying for that, you're going to have to file a claim through your own insurance. And then your insurance will go after their insurance. Okay. And it turns into a mess, but that's one of the reasons why we have insurance is because our insurance company will fight for us in those instances. They also fight for us, you know, in things like auto accidents and defamation lawsuits. I think I've said it before, but the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard defamation lawsuit was in the news a few months back last year. That was entirely paid for by homeowners insurance. The settlement that uh, Amber Heard gets to pay Johnny Depp is paid for by her homeowners insurance because that is part of their homeowners insurance policy. Now, everyone's homeowners insurance policy isn't going to have those kind of limits, but you should have your policies set up in a way that is protecting you personally, because at the end of the day, even with all the anonymity and everything that we build in, you're still liable for yourself and your property. Insurance can be a way to help mitigate some of that liability if you have it. For people who have homeowners insurance, how covered are they if they live in an area that's susceptible to flooding? Flood insurance is not included in 99% of standard homeowner policies. There's a few different versions of flood insurance, and um, it's really important that you understand the difference. So when people say flood, that means that water comes in from the outside, either through rain, through water running across the ground, lakes, rivers, oceans, sewer backup. If you have your sewer backup into your house, that is almost always not covered by your standard homeowner insurance, unless you have a sewer backup rider attached to your homeowner's policies. Flood insurance, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people have some major flood issues in the Western United States this spring with all the snow and all the rain that we've gotten. Something that all insurance carriers do, they do it on your home, they do it on your auto, and they do it medically, constantly. Up around Lake Tahoe, Mammoth Lakes, that area, there it's, they have such, so much snow that all of the insurance carriers say, see, and they're like, hey, guess what? We are going to have major, major flood issues this year. And because of all of those flood issues, a lot of people that have their insurance policies renewing right now, they're non-renewing. They're not canceling policies because you can't cancel a homeowner's policy like that. But if your policy is renewing right now to the middle of May, they're sending out non-renewal notices and basically telling you, hey, guess what? We are going to tell you that you need to go get a different insurance carrier. That's happening a lot right now. So that's something that you need to watch out for. FEMA has flood insurance. They're not just disaster relief. They do offer flood insurance, which you can buy for just about any property. And there are a lot of other insurance carriers that offer flood insurance in super high risk flood zones. Sometimes FEMA is your only option. But you need to remember FEMA only covers up to $250,000 on the property. 
and up to $100,000 worth of personal property. So the furniture and like all the things that you fill your house with. So they have definite limitations for higher end properties. Like I said, sewer backup is available as an additional rider on your policies. If you have a tree trunk, a tree decide to put its roots in your sewer line out in your yard. If you don't have sewer backup on your insurance policies and the sewer backs up, it's not going to be covered. Flood zone maps are useful, but they are also not guaranteed. You're in a flood zone on one side of the street. The other side of the street is not in the flood zone or even next door neighbors. One of them's in the flood zone. And then, you know, the next door neighbor, it changes the zone, the zoning changes. And a lot of times there's less than six inches of elevation difference between the two neighbors. And so you need to be aware of those possibilities. I want to say, so I did a FEMA training. It was about a year ago. And so my, I don't remember all of it, but I want to say that it's over 80% of the counties in the United States have all experienced flooding. With all of the wildfires in California and Colorado over the last few years, flash floods, mudslides, those kinds of things are much, much, much more prevalent. And places that have never, ever flooded before have seen flooding. So that might be something that be, would be worth looking into. And remember, just because your insurance company doesn't require you to have flood insurance doesn't mean that it's not still a great idea. My parents, they live on a hill. Their driveway is almost 300 feet lower. The, the entrance to the driveway is almost 300 feet lower in elevation than their house. And with all the rain that we've had, that my parents have had uh, recently, their garage flooded because of water running in through, they have a back door in their garage and water got in through that. Um, so even though you live on a hill, it can still happen. Okay. Uh, so making sure that you're protecting your properties from flooding is, is very important. Uh, wood and in-house flood. So this is water coming from inside of the home, not sewer water, clean water. Would an in-house flood damage and mold be covered under an individual's homeowner's insurance? Almost always, okay? This is a different type of flood. This is uh, clean water caused by something breaking. I have personal experience in this. I owned a house in Alberta a few years ago and a mouse chewed through the water line that went to the fridge. We weren't home. The water ran for less than 24 hours and it caused over $100,000 worth of damage. Plus we couldn't live in our house for over three months, the renovation time, because it, it destroyed the entire basement and the main floor had to be completely redone as well. All the flooring um, and the kitchen. So it was, it was pretty intense. And that was all covered through my homeowner's insurance. It's also important to have the insurance policy structuring that's going to suit you. There are a lot of people that really like actual cash value insurance because it is substantially cheaper. It's important to save money on your monthly expenses, right? But if I would have had that actual cash value insurance on my property when it flooded, it probably would have only paid for about 20% of the renovation. But I didn't. I had replacement cost value, which means that whatever it costs to replace, the insurance company will pay that out. Now, there are some limitations to that. One of them is the total value of the policy. So if your house is only insured for $150,000, 
it's only going to pay out $150,000 unless you have other writers. There's some writers that that allow for inflation and they allow for other expenses above. But general rule of thumb is if your house is only insured for a dollar number, that's all that they're going to pay out. Like I said before, it will cover the mold, but you need to be sure to mitigate that mold as soon as you notice it, as soon as it becomes an issue, you need to start the remediation process. Because if you don't, the insurance company very, very likely will come back and say, we'll pay this much. We won't pay this much because you did not start the remediation process. You did not take the steps necessary to stop the damage to your property. Question, what happens if my house is paid off and I discontinue the homeowner's insurance? Will I be penalized if I resume in three or four years down the road? The answer is sort of. You're not going to be penalized in a line item expense, like you're not, but the insurance carrier is going to be able to see that this property hasn't had insurance for the last four years. And because of that, there's a very good chance that they're going to raise the rate for that property because they don't know what's happened in that property for the last four years. Most homes, when they get a new insurance policy, an insurance field adjuster will go out and look over the property. 90% of the time they won't go in the house, but they want to see the condition of the outside of the house because that is usually a direct correlation to what's inside the house. It's called field underwriting. And when you put that new policy on, that field underwriter is going to come out there and he's going to look at everything in that house. And if for any reason they see anything amiss, that's going to directly correlate to the cost of your insurance. Even after you've signed up for your insurance, you've got it put in place and your insurance carrier, your insurance agent was like, okay, the insurance on 123 ABC Street is going to be $700 a year. When that field underwriter goes out and does his inspection or her inspection, um, there's a good chance that they could come back and say, actually, it's not going to be that amount. It's going to be $1,000 a month. Or they're going to come back and say, hey, the property actually needs a higher valuation. Like uh, we've got it insured at $100,000. It needs to be insured at $150,000. Or they're going to come and say, hey, you've got your insurance coverage at $150,000, but the house is not worth $150,000. You should lower your coverage to $100,000. Those are all things that do happen and can happen. This is where you run into some tricky things with if something happens to the property and you don't have any insurance in place, you are the property owner is 100% liable for whatever it is that happened, whether it's damage, whether it's somebody slipped and fell and broke a hip, uh, whether a dog came and bit somebody, you are liable. If there's no insurance covering it and you have an umbrella in place, guess what? Your umbrella is not going to cover it either because the umbrella insurance requires underlying coverage. 